Hello and welcome to Future People Podcast. I'm your host, Imani Walker, and I'm so excited to share this new show with you. Future People Podcast will feature conversations with community leaders and creatives really making a difference in their industries. I'm speaking with people who think outside the box and are imagining a bright future for themselves and the people around them. A bit about me, I'm a journalist, I work with CBC News and CBC Radio, and through this work, I've been able to share stories from racialized communities in Toronto and the GTA. I've worked on politics, news from the front lines through the pandemic, and now I'm focusing on my own storytelling. I can't wait to share these holistic conversations with you for season one. We have some amazing guests lined up, so stay tuned for the next episode of Future People Podcast. Today's episode is special and we're doing things a bit differently. We have two guests, Monique Pitt and Brianna Chanel. Monique Pitt is a social worker in the GTA. And two years ago, after recognizing the gaps in spaces of wellness, Monique went on to become the founder of Gallivant, an organization created to provide outdoor wellness experiences and excursions for women of color. So this Monday, she organized a community care circle and brought on her friend, Brianna, who's a registered social worker and therapist to lead the event. Through her work in the field of social work, Brianna is dedicated to supporting individuals in owning, writing, and rewriting their stories. I asked them both to join the podcast for our Heal the Girl Summer episode and to remind us why it's okay to be outside the summer. This is my conversation with them. So welcome to the podcast, Brianna and Monique. I'm so excited to have you guys here, especially because I just was able to confirm that Monique and I used to work at a community center together, which kind of ties into the work that she's doing now. So it's amazing to see that she kind of stuck with this line of work and Brianna, we're meeting for the first time, but I'm really excited to hear about what you do. So I'm going to start off with a really interesting question and that being What is a Healed Girl Summer? I saw you post about it and it kind of ties into this event that you have going on Monday. So what is it? What does it look like to you? Um, So yeah, when I was writing the caption for my last post on Instagram, I was like, what am I trying to say? Like, how do I want to wrap this up so that um, the people that I'm trying to reach kind of hear me. So I know that hot girl summer like is a thing. And I just want to confirm that like hot girl summer is not canceled. <laughs> it's not canceled. And I just want to say that for the people who are already like trying to at me. Um, but I think what a healed girl summer is, is alongside the hot girl summer, how can we continue to center ourselves um, and center the work that we were doing outside of the summer months? Mm-hmm. Summer in Canada is two months. Yeah, we want to live our best lives, but I want us as Black women to also take into account all of the healing that was happening outside of that space. So mm-hmm. for some of us, we started therapy. For some of us, it's going to be a healed girl summer by still going to all the fets, still going to all the parties, but starting the day with maybe like a mindfulness activity. Mm-hmm. Um, perhaps it's not going to a certain party because you know someone is going to be there that's going to trigger something in you that you're not ready to face. So I think when I think about a healed girl summer, it's about continuing to center yourself and the healing that you've started throughout the summer months. Wow. Mm. Speaking to me right now, Brianna, are you having a healed girl summer, a hot girl summer, both? What is it? <laughs> That's it. It's heel girl and hot girl all year mm. round. Let yes. me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I will be having a healed girl, healed girl summer. I really like that. That's that's dope. If you see me using that without quoting you, Monique, don't be mad. Listen, <laughs> I, saw it. I saw it as a meme. I saw it as a meme and I'm like, let me add something. Uh, I love that and I think we'll get a little bit into our own personal journeys in a sec but I want to know you guys are friends so how did you two meet so we have just a lot of like common interests, and Mm -hmm. I think because we have a lot of common interests, we like landed up in the same kind of spaces um I don't know if we can pinpoint exact moment but we just know that there were moments (laughs) <laughs> many many I can't I don't even know how long it's been now like I like even hearing this question I've never thought about it until you asked the question and when you ask the question I'm like 
I actually don't remember, like legitimately, like yeah. Monique is just a part of my life. Like that's yeah. just- <laughs> wow. I love that. I love that because it's like you guys have grown together and have pro- supported each other along your journeys. I want to hear a little bit about how you've helped each other grow. We'll get into that in a sec, but we'll go back to you, Mo. Why did you initially start Gallivant? Because, you know, this upcoming Monday, you have an event going on, Community Care Circle. Brianna, you will be part of that. You will be leading it. What, 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 what were you seeing or not seeing that made you want to start this, this event and this initiative? Yeah, um, this is a safe space. So I'm going to be real with you. With yeah, of course. Um, as we all know, the pandemic was hard. Like mm-hmm. it was extremely hard for myself. Around the time of the pandemic, I also lost, lost my grandfather. Um, and outside of the actual virus, as a community, we were facing a whole lot, right? With the death of George mm-hmm. Floyd. And I couldn't take it. Like... <laughs> I didn't know what to do, where to go. I wasn't able to leave my house to seek any support at that time. So I'm like, what can I do? And then I'm also a therapist. So as I was caring for myself, I also had to care for others around me. Like my work couldn't stop. Um, The only thing that kind of helped me get through it apart from God was um, sisterhood. So my girls around me, and then honestly spending time outside, like spending time in nature. I would wake up, I would go for walks, I would be bored, I would go for a walk, I would be sad, I would be, I would go for a walk. And I was doing that really frequently. And then that started to become sad because I'm like, yo, like I'm starting to feel isolated. I'm starting to feel very lonely. And this is having such a positive impact on me, but like, I don't want to just it be me all the time. So I remember mm-hmm. one day I was like in tears, like just feeling extremely lonely. And I was like, you know what? Like, what would I tell my client right now? Like, if I had a client who came to me with this, what would I say to them? And I remember like, Yomo, you have to call a friend right now. So I mm-hmm. called a friend. I didn't tell her what I was going through. I just said, yo, do you want to go for a walk? She said, yeah. We took a little mini road trip. I don't even remember the city we were in. And we just walked and we just talked and we just laughed. And that shifted my the emotions that I was carrying for 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 weeks and I said to her I was like yo I wish it was a whole bunch of us out here like a whole bunch of black girls out here and she said Mo you know that's you right like you know you have to do that right Mm -hmm. and then I went home and I said to my brother if I can think of a name because I'm very creative in my thinking if I can't see like branding and like names I, I can't do anything else so um I said if I think of a name about what this is then I'll do it. And then I was just sitting there in a few minutes. I'm like, I remember my mom used to say, you love Gallivant too much. Like, I'll be outside. And I'm like, yeah, but that's what I did. And it worked. And that's what we've been doing as Black women. We've been taking up space. We've been outside. We've been enjoying each other's company. We've been resisting these dominant spaces by like, so I'm like, why not create a movement out of that? And then that's, that's really where Gallivant came from. It was supposed to be a walking club. But the first time I had an event, which I think was, was a hike, I said, nah, yo, this has to go further. So from there, we've gone on to do like walk and wine and juk and jab and yoga in the park. And just every time I see women outside caring for themselves, caring for each other, I'm like, yeah, this is it. Mm, wow. Amazing. I love it. And th- going back to that gallivant part, I think every Caribbean or Black <laughs> woman has been told that growing up you love you love road too much <laughs> and now there you are reclaiming it like yes we love road <laughs> we love outside and, and I, I love that one thing mm-hmm. I want to add to that point is I understand though like I understand why there was hesitancy yes. in us being outside like mm-hmm. when we think about safety for black women like these streets are not always safe like for mm-hmm. women in general but then added the added layer of being a black woman or woman of color is not safe so that's why I called a friend. If I'm like, if I really want to go in this deep bush, I need to go with a friend too, right? Mm-hmm. So I think when I look back at like why my, my mom was kind of like saying that, it was probably for safety. Yes. Uh, so if we can do it together, that in itself is adding that element of safety. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Brianna, you are a part of this. You're especially part of Monday's event. Yeah. What, what inspired you to become a social worker? Mm, that's a good question. Um, therapist. Yes. Um, <laughs> for social work, I kind of um, 
always knew that I liked helping people. That is mm-hmm. typical. I always knew that I liked helping people. Um, and I knew that early on, like I knew that like when I was entering high school. Um, and I remember like, you know, you had to do the careers class where you do like, you know, the matching, like, what do you like? And you know, what careers are there? And I love caring for people and I love children. And so I remember that like one of the things that came up was like adoption agent. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, this is amazing. I get to be with babies, da da da. And I had a conversation with my careers teacher. And she, to be honest, I don't even remember if it was a he or she, but they told me, um, they're like, you know, with the way that technology is going soon, a lot of like the process for adoption is going to be digital. And so I don't know how, um, how fruitful that'll be in the future, but have you thought about social work? Um, And that's kind of, that's kind of where that started, where like I was able to kind of um, put my desires, my passions under um, under a, a profession. Um, I think I've also always been very um, interested in like family dynamics. Um, so I have a very close-knit family. Um, and I remember at one point I just realized that every family doesn't look like mine. <laughs> and every, you know, everybody doesn't have supportive parents and like three sisters that they can chill with and, you know, is not able to tell, you know, friends that like, I don't care if you don't like me because I have sisters, like not everybody has that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that also like just being interested in family dynamics and understanding that like not everybody had the support that I had um, was also a push to kind of be a support to people who didn't have the support that I had. And so you'll be leading the session on Monday. Tell me a bit about what that's going to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest thing is that I want Black women to be able to release, to be able to not feel like they have to perform, um, to be able to just be. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so it's going to look like um, a few cur- curated activities that I won't name because it's specific <laughs> for the people that are going to be there, um, mm-hmm. but a few curated activities that will allow um, black women to be in a space together to genuinely say how they feel and not have to worry about how it's coming out, um, to not have to worry about being the angry black woman, to not have to worry about um, being too vulnerable and that being taken advantage of, to just be able to be, say what they have to say, um, to be with one another. So having that support, because sometimes, yeah, we do, we, we do express our feelings, like whether through writing or whatever, but we don't necessarily have, you know, people around us to, to be with us in those feelings. And so having you know, the other women there will also be an opportunity to, to say what we um, what we have to say, feel what we have to feel, be supported, um, and also offering each other strategies, uh, me from a therapeutic um, lens, but also, you know, these Black women from a lived experience, being able to offer each other um, strategies to how we collectively get through um, and move, continue to move through just like <laughs> all of this, this, this racial um, trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, because the reality is, as sad as it is, is that it's 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 not going away anytime soon. I wish I could say something different, um, but we are still here and we still exist um, outside of all of the racial trauma. We have other things that we're dealing with, and so we have to find um, techniques to to continue to to not just exist but to thrive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's we talk about racial trauma. This event is coming at a time where I think. Black people are always, especially Black women, we are almost always facing something, but more specifically, like the news of the Buffalo massacre against the Black community, it's been really triggering for a lot of people, even here in Canada. So like just last week, um, at Nathan Phillips Square, um, they were honoring the victims with a vigil. So I feel like even when these incidences happen across the border, even here in Canada, like we're still affected. What what, how would you even describe that? Like that, that feeling of, you know, it, it didn't happen here, you know, but we mm-hmm. still feel called to do something or to create a space to speak on this or even mourn or grieve or express ourselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I would say that it, it makes sense because when you consistently, I mean, we've been seeing people who look like us both in our personal lives and in the media being targeted, being attacked, being literally killed before Mm -hmm. our very eyes. And so I think for many of us, um, myself included, and I also just wanna say that though I am a therapist and I'm a professional, I'm also a black woman who's also trying to deal with this stuff myself as well. Um, 
And so there's this balance of like, okay, you're professional and also, okay, Brianna, like you also are just Brianna. Um, so just wanted to put that out there that like, I have, I have some expertise, but um, I'm also, you know, have my own emotions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that to say, I think when, when we see these things repeatedly, it doesn't matter where it's happening because it's all, it almost feels like a, a, a personal attack, right? Because it could be any one of us. That's the reality. These systems do not care if you are rich, if you are poor, if you are, if you have 25 degrees or if you have zero degrees, if you work in a factory or if you work at, at a Fortune 5 company. Once you are Black, you are Black, right? And so I think regardless of who it is, for many of us, it's like, yo, that could have been me. And so how could I not defend myself? How could I not speak up for myself? How could I not let people know that this attack, this personal attack, is wrong? Mm-hmm. Monique, do you have anything to say to that? I'm just, I love, I love what you're saying. Like, a lot of people have reached out and said, thank you for creating a space. And they, mm-hmm. the first time they said that, I was like, thank you. Not because I'm not like thankful for the compliment or the act of like sharing how you feel, but it's just like, yo, like I just did this because I needed it. (laughs) Like I didn't. And I said to you, Brianna, I said, yo, I need this space. And if one, two, three, four, five women want to come, that's up to Mm -hmm. them. But Mm -hmm. for me, (laughs) I -hmm. need space. Like, Mm -hmm. and, and a lot of people were like, Mo, like, run it like just run it and I said nah like I don't have the capacity right now mm-hmm. to be able to hold space for 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 women to kind of cope with this because for me I can't even find a word and I have to mm-hmm. be real with myself like as a social worker like technically I could but mm-hmm. I think when I think about sisterhood when I think about mm-hmm. us as black women having so many skills I'm like who's already doing this and does it well and that's where I'm like yo Brianna come with me like let's do this mm-hmm. together mm-hmm. because I think we get a lot further when we recognize our own capacity and we recognize the skills of our peers yeah wow and I think that takes also just a lot of not only like self-awareness but just maturity and to say like I have the skills to do this I'm not in the space to do this let me bring mm-hmm. someone else in who can not only help me but help this larger group of people and I think like that goes to show just how talented you are at your job and what you're doing I'm wondering you both are therapists yourself have you like who does the therapist go to when you need therapy a therapist (laughs) (laughs) like yeah (laughs) and so you it's important because let's be real like I've gone to mom I've gone to my dad I've gone to friends I've gone to so many people but it's like sometimes you just Mm -hmm. need that professional space Mm -hmm. you just need to be able to go to someone that doesn't have no bias no ulterior Mm -hmm. motive no you know not connected to you in any way but just Mm -hmm. there to support you in a professional way it's important Mm -hmm. have you had trouble finding black therapists yourselves because I have had therapy and I ended up finding a Caribbean therapist which is amazing um and but it, it felt a little bit like a struggle to, to find mm-hmm. someone who suited like for suited me and who I would have been comfortable with but I didn't have to over explain certain things too because I started off actually with a different therapist and she was not a black woman and it was interesting I felt like I was explaining myself to you know this person which was like I feel like that's not well, that's not what therapy should be so mm-hmm. I wonder like what your experiences have been like being black therapists maybe needing black therapist mm-hmm. um for me personally there's well this topic is all it's very nuanced let me say Mm. that because the reality is is that depending on what your trauma is you may not want to see a black therapist you if Mm. depending on what your trauma is you may not want to see a black woman or you may not want to see a black male um and so um and like so for me like with my you know the different intersections of my identity it's also important that my black therapist is also christian and so there's all of these layers um and so it I don't, I didn't personally find it difficult, but I also recognize that I'm in a space where I'm exposed to other therapists, right? Um, And so when I did end up finding my Black Christian therapist, I actually ended up creating like a list of Black Christian therapists and posting it on my page, which was, which was really cool. Um, Mm. I found that I was able to find a lot of Black female therapists very easily. I recognize that there's not a lot of Black male therapists. Um, 
And so for my specific need, it wasn't too difficult. Um, but I, I understand that for, you know, somebody who wants to see maybe a male therapist, that, that may be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Monique and I both work for BRI counseling. And so that's like a collective of, of Black counselors. So I would say, or therapists, sorry. So I would say that it is a group, like it is growing. Like I, I know a lot of like Black individuals that are graduating from MSWs and like starting private practices. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, does it does it match the need? Absolutely not. <laughs> but we're growing. And I, I happen to be a part of that growing population of Black therapists. Well, that's good. That's good to hear. Um, I think just even confronting the idea of Black people going to therapy in the first place is such a great thing to for you guys to be openly speaking about. Um, my question is, though, like, when we're continuously stuck in this, like, whether it be news cycle or just seeing the people around us in our communities or neighborhoods face the things they may be facing, how do you actually begin to confront and heal from racial trauma when you're stuck in this, what seems to be never-ending cycle of racial trauma? Mm-hmm. I think if I can speak a little bit to this, I think mm-hmm. the first thing, for, like, the first thing that we need to do is call it for what it is. The first thing, like I remember working for a different organization and honestly, a lot of organizations, it's not even just one, but an experience, like a a traumatic experience that, no, first of all, there is no trauma when it's race. It's just like something that happened to you. Mm. But the the distinction that it's like, no, like something bad happened, but it's also traumatic is just not there enough, Mm. in my opinion. Um, So I think we need to call it for what it is, like racial trauma Mm. is a real thing. And um, the symptoms that kind of show up with that can be similar to any other like traumatic experience. And Mm -hmm. I just don't know if there's a lot of education on that. So the first things first is I think that we need to call it for what it is. Um, And then when I just think about trauma and um, like the phases of that, just in general, I think the next step would be to be like, all right, like not only am I going to call it for what it is, but I'm going to accept that it's happening to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then seek support in the way that that feels like you, like you need it or in ways that are accessible because let's be real yes we're therapists yes I love therapy I wish every person could experience therapy mm-hmm. however therapy costs money more times you know mm-hmm. what I mean mm-hmm. and not everyone is not everyone has access to that um so if they don't have access to it me saying go to therapy go, go, to, go to therapy go to therapy it's almost like wait okay but even if I find one who's paying for it though mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying so it's just mm-hmm. like even that in itself to go back to Gallivant I wanted a space where it's like all right you might not be going to a therapist but like let me introduce you to one or let's, mm-hmm. let, let's collectively get together when we think about like what our ancestors were doing they might not have been going to therapy but they were finding ways to heal so mm-hmm. often I think we got to look back like as we go through this cycle we, we have to remember mm-hmm. that it was it's a cycle Mm-hmm. Um, so what were they doing to get through their cycles? Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that was things like dancing <laughs> amongst mm-hmm. amongst each other, um, mm-hmm. enjoying each other's company. Sit. I think about like my my aunties. They'll sit outside in the backyard in Jamaica and talk for hours and eat food, and that was their mm-hmm. therapy. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So I think we have to look kind of look back to what was happening in the cycle. I don't know, Brianna, if you want to add anything to this. Yeah, no, you said that the first step, I think, like like you said, is definitely calling it out. I think um, also, like, call it out. And 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 this just is an addition to what you've already said, because you've already said, like, everything so beautifully. But I think sometimes we, not sometimes, many times, we kind of gaslight ourselves. Like, was that really what happened? Yeah. Am I going to, am I making a big deal out of nothing? Was it that serious? Should I say something? Should I not? I think, like, we need mm-hmm. to be able to like you said, call it as it is and not make excuses for it. <laughs> it is what it is it, it, and, and, and allowing ourselves to feel those feelings and not feeling like, and it's difficult because of how we've been socialized, um, but, but not gaslighting ourselves, not making ourselves feel like we are making this up um, because we're not, <laughs> we're really not. I think another thing that's important um, is for in the way in which we speak about these, these instances, um, is that we 
So a lot of times when we speak about racial trauma um, from individuals who are experiencing it and even collectively as black individuals, we make it seem like being black is the issue, but being black is not the issue. Existing yeah. in systems and spaces where blackness is not accepted or is seen as less than is the issue. To mm -hmm. wake up every morning and have black skin doesn't hurt. Period. It doesn't, mm -hmm. right? But when we're existing in systems that continuously tell us that blackness is not enough or continuously tells us that blackness is the bottom, that is what's painful. That is what's yes. difficult. And so I think it's important when we speak about racial trauma and we, when we speak about these systems that we're not um, perpetuating this idea that Blackness is bad. And oftentimes we unintentionally do that. Being Black is so difficult. Being Black is so difficult. Being Black is not difficult. Being Black in systems that don't accept Blackness and don't love Blackness for what it is, is what's difficult. Yes. Ooh, I'm so happy you said that, especially from a media perspective. Often when we're reporting on what's happening, you know, mm -hmm. or, or what's happened that has happened to Black people, it's like the, the line of making it seem like being Black was the thing that was the mm -hmm. issue is so mm -hmm. thin. So I'm really happy that you said that because I think a lot of people are leaning into, um, which it's in a way a little bit sad that it's like for the first time, but leaning in for the first time to like, my black is beautiful. Like I yeah. love being black, like black culture is, is it, it is culture. It's everything that we, that we as a generation, I think worship like black people, what we love, what we do, our ability to our talents. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of us are finding joy in who we are for the like first time. And sometimes even generationally for the first time. Um, so I'm really happy that you pointed that out because being black is not the issue. <laughs> well I am just loving like I love hearing what you guys are doing because as a black woman myself like I love being black around black women and I live in Toronto but I'm gonna have to make my way out there at least if not this time the next time because it's just I'm loving I love community and it's true I, there's a quote I can't remember who said it <laughs> but they said that we don't heal alone like we heal in community Okay. And um, for me, like in my healing journey, I had a long period where I actually thought like I need to isolate myself and be away mm -hmm. from those I love to like work on the things I need to work on and address some of my traumas. And I think over the past few months, especially I'm realizing I need to be outside. <laughs> like I need to be out here in these streets. <laughs> I need to be out here yeah. <laughs> with my girls having a good time because that's also a part of the healing process, right? Mm -hmm. Like how much joy and friendship aids in you becoming a better version of yourself and letting some things go. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah, you said something that's so like, that's really resonating with me. And this is, it's a, this idea that we feel like we're too broken to be good enough to be friends with somebody, or we feel like we're too broken to be in a relationship. And I think it comes from this like, I mean, it comes from many places, but I think a part of where it comes from, at least in our generation, is all of these memes that are like, heal before you enter a relationship, yeah. heal before you, <laughs> and it's like, if that's the case, and then we're basically saying that, that healing is a destination, mm. and it really isn't, it is a mm -hmm. process, you're going to enter that relationship, and you're going to find new reasons that you need to heal new things that you need to heal from that you didn't realize before, because the reality is, is that being in community, and being with people, makes us realize things about ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty of it is that, yes, we're healing. We're healing. And mm -hmm. as we're healing and as we interact with others, they're showing us things that we need to work on and we're showing them things that they need to work on. And that's why it's important that you have the right people around you who are not going to make you feel like you're too broken to be worthy of love and acceptance and friendship and relationship. Right, exactly. And Mo, so like a lot of your work is centered around friendships, obviously, and, communi and community. So how has having the right friendships helped you get to where you are today? Wow, Brie, yo, yo, Brie, you're speaking facts today. Um, you got <laughs> me with that one. You got me with that one because, yeah, we often think we need to isolate ourselves in order to get to a space where we can work on ourselves. And then after working on ourselves, we'll be ready for a relationship, whether that be with a partner, with a friend, re ready to reconnect to family, but so much of the healing comes in the reconnecting. Um, and and I, I really want us to remember that. I think when I think about like a lot of like the therapeutic type modalities that we use, um, it's very much like this quote, I think therefore I am. And it's mm -hmm. very much centered around 
our thoughts and our thoughts being the thing that is causing us to act this way. And I'm not saying that that's not true, but when we think about the, the African philosophy of Ubuntu, that speaks to um, this idea that I am because we are. Mm -hmm. And that is what I want to hang on to. And that is what community and sisterhood and Galavant is all about. It's like, yes, you are this, but because I am also this, we can be together. Mm. And there's so much beauty in us as Black women coming together in that healing. Um, mm -hmm. There's just so much mm -hmm. beauty in it. There's so much beauty in it. And the world does not know. <laughs> the mm -hmm. world does not know. We ourselves do not fully understand the potential that's there. So yeah, when it comes to sisterhood, mm -hmm. I think it's really about us first having the um, believing and trusting in ourselves that we are worthy. Mm -hmm. That takes a lot of deep, in, deep, deeper work as well. But once you come to a place where you're like, all right, I'm worthy. It's just like, for me, I had to learn, like I had a lot of girls around me, but I had to be real with myself and be like, how much of these people are actually my friend? Mm. Um, and in order for me to page them on like, why are you not being a good friend? I first had to look within myself and be like, all right, yo, what does a friend mean to me? And not mean to the world, but mean to me, like in this season of my life, what do I need? And then when I figure out what I need, it's my responsibility to communicate that. And that's how we can form healthy friendships. Um, I think it starts with us though. I think you have to be, be a friend to yourself before you can be a friend to someone else. Or expect good friendship from someone else. Yeah, this. I just want to um, touch on something that Monique said. That's like, yeah, like um, around like the practices that we that we are taught in school that are very Eurocentric um, when it comes to therapy and you know and everything else because we live in a Eurocentric world. Um, but it, and it, it, when I think about like you know racial trauma and how if we use certain modalities, how invalidating can be. If I were to use CBT. Um, which is called, sorry, cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> I'm speaking therapy language. CBD? <laughs> what are we talking about here? <laughs> if I were to use cognitive behavioral therapy, which mm -hmm. is basically a form of therapy that's, you know, um, assessing our thoughts and like, you know, the narratives that we create based off our experiences, imagine how invalidating it would be if someone said to me, Brianna, I experienced X and X, you know, racial trauma. Someone called me and I was like, are you sure that that's what they called you? Are you sure that you're not pulling that from another experience? How have your past narratives, you know, how, how have the past things that happened in your life caused you to believe that this is true when maybe it's not true? Maybe it's something else, right? Mm. But that's the type of therapy that we've been taught. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's important that not only as Black therapists, but as therapists who are serving Black people, that we recognize that the, the tools that we have been given are very Eurocentric and they're not always going to work. In fact, using some of them at certain times can be very harmful. And that almost sounds like gaslighting in a way too. Absolutely. <laughs> Wait, did it happen to me in this way? Like, <laughs> exactly. Wow, I didn't even, I didn't even realize that. So I'm but learning. Brianna, I'm I, learning. Love, I love that you said that because that's what they are. They're just tools. Like mm. it's literally a toolbox. We were given mm -hmm. a toolbox. We were showing this type, this type, this type. I think what you and I try to do and like, obviously you're not my therapist. So I don't know your style, but I know mm -hmm. your person. Um, mm. I and I know that you bring your person to your therapy sessions. I feel like mm -hmm. as black women, as black therapists, like, yeah, like you don't need to check yourself at the door. Like yeah. a big reason that this person is coming to you is because you're a black woman, but you're about to walk in with a toolbox and leave yourself at the door. Like mm -hmm. both. And yeah. I'll use CBT, not in that example, but I'll mm -hmm. use CBT, but it's like, nah, we're gonna, we're gonna make this what you need it to be. Yeah, right? that's right. So yeah. I think it's just a matter of like, yo, like don't lose yourself in the work. Like That's don't right. lose yourself in this system, man. Mm -hmm. So you you mentioned something really interesting that you need to look within to ask yourself, what does friendship look like to you? And am I being a friend to myself? Mm -hmm. So how can we actually begin to like cultivate friendships that aid in our growth? And also to your point, maybe even with ourselves. Mm -hmm. huh. So I am the type of person where I feel like I can do everything on my own. Like, and that probably stems from some way, way back thing that my grandmother was doing and mm -hmm. her grandmother was doing. And I feel like a lot of us do. Um, so I think I had to be real with myself and it, it, it wasn't an easy time and it's still not an easy time, but I had to be real with myself um, and like get practical. 
So on the days that I'm lonely, I really check in with myself and I said, all right, what do you need today? Like, it's a question I ask myself in the morning, you know what I mean? But not just asking myself that, but then taking the action that's necessary to support that thing. And mm -hmm. a lot of the times it is, I need to speak to someone, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, or I need community or I need a friend or I need that. So after checking in with myself, I respond to that and I give myself what it is. And then I'll, I'll reach out to a friend. Maybe we'll do a brunch. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll just talk on the phone. Maybe we'll FaceTime. Like, but I think it's a skill. It's something like we said. It's like it's a it's a it's a part of that toolbox that we're learning. Like, what can I do today to to be real and to be truthful and to be a friend to myself? Um, mm -hmm. And then that's when we build like self esteem and self love because it's like we called out and we responded. So ooh, that's a good thing that I just did for myself. Mm -hmm. And then the more that we pour into ourselves in that way, the the more we are able to then pour into into the people around us. So I think mm -hmm. it just starts with a check-in, an honest check-in. Maybe you're crying as you check in. Like if you're, I'm a crier. So there's crying at every <laughs> point of the journey. I'll be crying and laughing at the same time, but there's both, there's tears. And I think we've, we really want to be strong black women. <laughs> we hmm. really want to, we really want to hold that. But the last, this meme I saw most recently was the Healed Girl Summer. My mantra for last year is the soft life. Like, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like straight up, if you're around me and it didn't yeah. feel soft, yeah, it wasn't gonna work because right. there's no way that I can be soft with myself and then mm -hmm. you're your little raggedy, raggedy self. Like it doesn't work, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's, 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 not, it's not working in this. And I think I'm learning that now that when something is no longer good for you, rather than keep it around, until the point that you need to heal from it, cut mm. it off, cut mm. it off, mm. you know what I mean? Mm. And that might look like <laughs> uh, changing a person's name in your phone, that mm. might look like saying, you know what, like, um, I, I see you as more of an acquaintance, as a friend, like, it's not going to be easy, but it, it saves a lot of pain. It does mm -hmm. save us a lot, mm -hmm. from a lot of pain. Mm -hmm. No, I just wanted to touch on 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 what what you said around like the the, the strong uh, strong black woman, and and it's interesting because why does soft not strong? Okay, mm. 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 because we we have this idea that that they're the opposite that you know that we it's either we're strong or we're something else. Mm. I'm strong and I'm yes. soft. Yes, I'm oh. strong and I'm gonna cry. Mm -hmm. I'm strong and I'm going to ask for help because being strong is not enough. It never wow. has been. Wow. It never has been. Mm -hmm. And, and, and when I hear like, you know, and when I hear me saying like, you know, I think I can do all, everything on my, by myself. I think a lot of us like, and you know, I'm sure many people listening to this are going to really resonate that with that. And the reality is that we've had to do things by ourselves yeah. for a long time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so even if we don't feel like we can do it by ourselves, we're going to do it by ourselves. <laughs> right. And so I think that, that it's important that we, and, and, and I say this recognizing the privilege in saying this, right? I recognize the privilege in saying that, like, you know, uh, like, I need to drop the, the strong girl, you know, I don't need to do everything by myself, recognizing that I have support, and I have people that I could lean on, and some people don't, right? Some people have to be the rock in their family because they don't have anybody else, um, but but I, I think that we we not only need to 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 um you know drop the idea of the strong black woman but I think we need to redefine what it means to be strong because I think the what we have been defining as strong has been enduring abuse and enduring abuse doesn't mean you're strong yes yes and what we've been internalizing to be strong let's be real like I'm not a doctor but a quick google search will show you like heart disease and black woman yeah you know what i'm saying so it's almost like we're trying to be so strong that in the same breath we're killing ourselves you know what i'm saying yeah. so how are we going to shift this narrative so that yeah we're strong but we're also resting yeah mm -hmm. we're gonna get this done and be a bad girl boss whatever but i'm still going to make time to care for myself and eat some food right now you know mm -hmm. what i'm saying like, mm -hmm. there's so many things that we need to consider because this is not just about our mental health if i'm mm -hmm. honest and that's mm -hmm. why galavan is what galavan is that's why we're outside because mm -hmm. we need to move our bodies our bodies are storing these traumatic experiences mm -hmm. there are like when we think about what stress does in terms of 
inflammation and what inflammation looks like in the body unless mm -hmm. we move our bodies to release that mm -hmm. that's there there are diseases there are things that come from that mm -hmm. and it's just like how do we not become like older women trying to backtrack like trying mm. to all these things and and like you know what i mean like there are a lot of people like the generations before us that are now having to like be on this and do this medication and this yeah. and, that. and it's a lot of it is stemming from the stress of their younger years so mm. how do we address the need in the younger years yeah mm. and i'm making a connection as you're speaking monique around this idea that being strong means neglecting our well-being like mm. where does that stem from when i think about that i think about the fact that you know in slavery, being strong was literally survival meant mm -hmm. being strong meant not letting them know that I was ed educated. Being strong meant like, you know, if something's hurting me, I'm not going to say nothing because they're going to discard me. Being strong meant, you know, I'm going to, you know, give my kid away instead of keeping them with me or, you know, I'm not going to fight back like that literally from the beginning, from the time that we've been enslaved, being strong meant neglecting ourselves and we continue to perpetuate that. Wow. Wow. There's an Audrey Lord quote that says, staying healthy, and I just want to get it right. So an Audrey Lord quote that says, staying healthy in a system that undermines your very existence is the greatest act of resistance. Mm -hmm. um, I think that just speaks to this whole strong point. Mm -hmm. You caring for yourself is what makes you strong. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow, I, thought, I have chills right now listening to you two speak. And when you guys decide to start your podcast, let me know I'm going to tune in because <laughs> y'all can take the mic. It's all towards <laughs> yours because I heard so many amazing points there that I feel like I, I need to take some notes. Like this has been a lesson for me. Um, but yes, I think along the, our journeys, like for me specifically along my journey, I think within the last year I've learned, hold on who like who am I helping by always being strong and on the go mm. and, and and not taking a second for myself and I think those check-ins that you talked about the power in that and just asking yourself through your day like how are you doing are you okay I think black women were constantly taking care of everyone else but ourselves mm -hmm. historically as you mentioned and so this is such a great reminder um also just being outside like being outside, what has that done for you over the past year? Um, for me, like I said before, mm -hmm. um, when I don't know what to do, <laughs> where to go, when it feels like the walls are closing in on me, like I have, I have to go out. <laughs> like mm -hmm. if I feel like I'm being trapped in, I have to go out. Um, and that's just the way that I've dealt with the stressors of life. And at the same time, not every time I want to go out, I want to spend money. I want to be around like crowds of people. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I lived in England, as I was saying earlier in an earlier conversation for a couple of years and I was pretty much by myself out there. And, and although I had fun, it was, there was a lot of sad moments and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know who to go to. So I just went outside. So being outside, it, it kind of steadies things. It grounds me. Um, it makes me think back to all of like my ancestors and the time that they spent outside and the healing that they found outside. It could be the birds. I know it could probably sounds cheesy, but for me, it could be like, yo, all these racing thoughts, slowing down to just listen to the birds instead. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It could be walking down a path and like Brianna and I both do poetry. So for me, it's like, I'm looking at a tree and I, it's like, I can't make meaning to what I'm going through on my own, but I look at a tree and I'm like, yo, like, imagine the storm that that tree went through mm -hmm. imagine, you know what I'm saying so for me it's like I've been able to see so many metaphors mm -hmm. in nature and in seeing those metaphors it's I've been able to kind of heal um so outside to me is just like uh it's just an amusement park like I love it I love it I love it I love it but at the same in the same breath a lot of spaces weren't created for us as black women you know what I'm saying mm -hmm. go for a walk I'm the only black woman on the trail this guy's walking his dog. I say, good morning. The man looks over my head. You know what I mean? So these spaces are not that welcoming either. Mm -hmm. But in the same way that the space has kind of been stolen and the land has been taken from it, you know, like how can we go back out and almost reclaim that space and, mm -hmm. and to, um, and, and 
and experience all that it has to offer like why can mm-hmm. everyone else experience it and we can't like mm-hmm. it's like one of the most simplest answers are right in front of us I think we're caught inside working from home a lot of us zoom mm-hmm. calls Instagram scrolling is like the easiest thing and sometimes it can feel like we're being boxed in and you know our thoughts get the best of us when it's like the simplest one of the simplest solutions are just right in front of us but there's mm-hmm. such a disconnect I think in a way from just going outside and enjoying it as adults that yeah. and even as kids now <laughs> that like you know, it's it's almost like, wow, I couldn't believe that just going on this 10 minute walk has made me feel better. It's been right here this whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's amazing that you're bringing attention back to, I think, one of the most simplest solutions. Mm-hmm. Brianna, you're leading the event. What kind of feeling do you hope the women leave with, leave the community mm-hmm. care circle with? Mm-hmm. Um, I want them to feel that their needs um, that their needs are important, that their needs have been heard, that their needs have been fulfilled. I want them to feel supported. Um, I want them to feel a sense of release. I think that's the word for me, this this, this whole thing is like that sense of release. Um, and being realistic with expectations, I understand that like this is not going to be you know, um, the end all be all to like, okay, now I feel great about racial trauma and I'm good and I'm healed. Yeah. Um, Cause that doesn't happen. Definitely doesn't happen mm-hmm. in one hour, much less a year. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I just want them to, to, I want them to realize that there is a place for escape, right? Because the reality is, is in this world, that's what, that's what we have to hold on to that, that, that place of escape. And then we get, we, you know, we retreat and then we go back and we fight the battle, we retreat, we go back, we fight the battle. And so I really want them to feel like I've, I've got, I, I've retreated enough to find enough strength, enough, you know, support to go back into the battle. And if I need this again, I can come back to it. Mm. Wow, I'm so happy because I passed it over to Rihanna, but I never really showed her like the full vision. So to hear you say that word release, to hear you say your intentions behind the event and it for, for it to just be spot on, like honestly, not even just spot on, like more than I could think of in my own being. I'm excited that we have you. I'm excited for <laughs> all of the women who enter that space to to experience who you are I, I truly am very excited for that thank you I feel like I feel like we need to, to tell the background story to how this event even happened Monique I think that's important yeah. Go ahead. it's actually a little while like hmm. <laughs> can you tell it can you tell it um yeah so Monique reached out to me one morning I'm like driving to work we, funny enough Monique and I have the same like professional we have the same professional position and also we do therapy with the same collective so I was thinking about that I'm like we're the same person Um, (laughs) but um yeah so she messages me one day or like you know she's like hey girl um I don't remember the exact message how are you whatever we exchange greetings and then I let her know that I'm like driving and so send voice notes and she's like yeah like I'm thinking of doing mind you this was what day was this Monique like this was like Tuesday yeah like recent yeah like Tuesday that just passed she's like yeah like I'm really you know I'm really thinking about doing like you know a a community care circle you know kind of what she said here like I know that I could technically lead it but I don't really want to lead I'm not in space to lead it wondering if you'd be interested and I'm like yeah like let's do it My no hesitation. Yeah, I was like, what? I, like, yeah, like I, I trust the work that Monique does. Like, we are a very aligned, like in general. And mm-hmm. so I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Let's do. Um, let's, let's do the thing. And so from Tuesday, I think it was. It might have even been Wednesday to be honest, but I'm not sure. But we'll say Tuesday. Mm-hmm. To she created got got the flyer done in like 24 hours or something, and then we started pushing. And she's like, I don't know how many people are gonna come. Like, you know. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if it's two, then we roll. Um, and that's kind of how, how that was created. And I think that speaks to um, Monique's authenticity, um, her tenacity, and, and how much she really wants this for the community. Like, it's not something that's like, you know, and it's not to say there's anything wrong with curated events. It's that's like curated and planned events are great. But I think it's also, there's something to be said about someone who is able to respond to a need at the time that the need is there, right? Um, and not have not think not necessarily have to be so focused on oh my gosh how am I going to look if only two people show up how am I, like because that doesn't matter because if two people show up and get what they need 
then the work has been done. And mm-hmm. I think that that like I, I I want I wanted us to share that story because I think it speaks to Monique's heart behind Galavant. Oh. Wow, I love that. Because I told you guys I'm a cryer, you wanted to see me cry. That's what I said. <laughs> <laughs> that was happening right now. <laughs> oh, I love it. Friends bigging each other up. Mo, I'll leave it with you. What does the future of Gallivant and even more generally community care look like to you? Yeah, wow. I'm so excited. Let me first start by saying I am so excited because like I said earlier, Gallivant was just supposed it was just supposed to be a walking club (laughs) like it was just supposed to be us outside walking and talking and then I'm like wait a minute I've been positioned in in a way where this could be more than that and um recently like I got a tattoo that says fearlessness to yesterday if I'm honest to Mm. remind myself that if I can see it like mentally we, we go back to like Lauren Hill like a lot of a lot of those big up Lauren Hill, a lot of people told us to like write the vision and make it plain, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like that's even scriptural, but yeah. um, for me right now, it's just about writing everything out and then taking the necessary steps to see it um, happen. But I think what I've had to learn with Galavan is that I don't have the skills to um, get it to the level that I want it to get to. And it's not, that is that does not mean anything bad about myself or even mean that I need to go learn the skill, but I do need to recognize that even as I create space in the business, I mean, in the facilitation of the events, the business should also be gallivant. The business should also be sisterhood. The business should also be collaboration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've learned that recently. And like like I said, the reaching out to Brianna, like the flyer was made in 24 hours, not because I made it, but because I hired a black woman who's already doing that work to do it. And mm-hmm. I'm not trying to sound like bossy or whatever, like, cause I understand that not everyone has the finances to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But because I do have it, I'm not gonna hoard it. I'm gonna give it back. And mm-hmm. I'm really big on like paying black women and all of that stuff too. So I think for me, Galavant, the next step for it is, to bring on women to be a part of the Galavant team because even though my vision is grand and great, I think when we come together, it's just gonna be bigger. Galavant is for the community. So I want it to be um, by the community, like forever. <laughs> like it has to be by us and for us because I feel like that's the biggest way in which we're gonna see the change that we wanna see. And this community is so very important in the GTA. And I can't wait to make my way out there one day soon. So and listen, you might not have to make your way out. Here oh, we might yeah. just come to you. Ooh. So my for, any <laughs> for any of your listeners who want a Galavant event near them, like mm. hit us up, like DM us. Like, like I said, it's for us and it's by us. So if you are in a space that I have not yet got to, like mm. we're coming, we're outside. Mm. <laughs> we be outside. Love it, love it. We in the streets. A special shout out to Monique Pitt and Brianna Chanel for joining the show. You can find them on Instagram at Gallivant underscore and at Brianna Chanel underscore. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Future People Podcast. You can find me on Instagram at Imani Walker. Thanks for listening. Take care.